It's bad ink, Jam, but not as we know it. Hello, cuz this is Bing. Welcome to the Bashcast, brought to you by BookieBashing.net, betting at 100.1 and above. This is Bashcast episode number 169, a bread and butter betrayal. It is 16 minutes past 8pm on Thursday the 1st of April 2021. Coming up in this evening's Bashcast, we have Poker Chat and we have Golf Chat. All of that and much more coming up on the Bashcast this evening. How's it going, everybody? Just me this week. Strange week. Week uh, that summer lasted for two days. Uh, snowing next week, so I guess we're in the run-in to winter. But I hope you enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it too much. Uh, I'm going broke. I'm not going to lie to you. I am going broke. I always thought it might happen because I'd got an edge wrong or uh, I just turned into a degenerate or I just uh, bought into a poker tournament that was just a little bit um, beyond my ability. But no, none of those. I guess I could have seen it coming. I'm going broke from bleeding iPhones, which I have a terrible record in. iPhones and me are negative EV. Last summer... I made a pact, a promise to myself that I was just going to stop being so careless with these, I mean, thousand pound little computers, 1200 quid in fact for the new iPhone 11 that you carry around in your pocket. One of the days in lockdown last summer, um, I'd gone into, there's this nice, if you go down the path of my old home in in the countryside, uh, you can get to this right of way and you go over a field and through another field and then the third field you're so far away from roads by this time you're out of the back of a, a country estate called Hanbury Hall and there's a lake out there just a little inset lake um, and there's a huge tree that's next to the lake with an enormous branch and I mean it's not a branch this thing you couldn't get your arms around it if you wanted to hug it about 15 feet in the air and so like a child, I'd climbed in. I was just sat up there for the day as the kids were running around. Uh, and I wanted a photograph. So I, uh, my phone was on the ground. I asked my wife to throw my £1,000 computer phone to me in the tree. Uh, and she threw it to me in the tree and I didn't catch it. And it landed on the ground. It was a boiling hot day and the ground it hadn't rained for a long time. So the ground was... I'd say it was, um, it wasn't good to firm, it was firm, definitely, the conditions that day. Uh, and uh, it took a bounce that Luis Suarez would have been proud of. Uh, how it bounced about 12 feet from the way that it landed on the corner, nobody knows. And it just dived straight into the lake and then went under the water. Uh, and I'm stuck in the tree. So, and I can't drop down because it was probably like 15 feet. I'd have broken my neck if I dropped down. So there was a period of time between it diving into the lake and me going and retrieving it. And that period of time was enough to fry the 
fry the actual... I mean, they're waterproof, these things, but I think muddy like... And I was annoyed... And what's annoying is how stupid it is because I'm, st- I'm in a tree 15 feet in the air and I'm asking my wife to throw a computer, essentially, to me next to a bleeding lake. Although it shouldn't have bounced that far. Only got myself to blame. It's nobody else's fault. I'm the one that asked it to happen. So take some responsibility and say, right, buy yourself a new £1,000 phone. Because, I mean, that was Friday. It was gone. That one. It wasn't even that old. It was like three months old. I said, get a case for it. Stop faffing around with it anyway. You don't need it all the time. In fact, if you're with people, it should be off. You know, go into the, go in, you go into the restaurant. Do you remember restaurants? Turn it off. Put Everyone put your phone in a bag and have someone responsible for that and turn them all off. And you don't need it when you leave the car every single time. Just be a little bit more savvy and just don't break them so often. So I did it. I mean, I hadn't had a case for a phone for a long time. That Neil deGrasse Tyson theory of if you don't have a case on them, you look after them a little bit more. I was, I'd taken that to heart, but nah. Uh, so I got a case, hardcore case. Uh, looked after it. Didn't take it out, turned it off. Uh, and the other day I'm, I'm running and I'm coming up to a stile. And there's a couple in front of me, maybe young 30s. And uh, my plan was to overtake them and go through the style, but I'd mistimed it, right? And again, we're out in the forest, no one around. And what was happening is I was catching them up. We were all going to reach the style at the same time. Uh, and I had two options that I could think of. Push in front of them. Well, that was rude. That would be Rudy Poo because I'm so close. They're so close to the style. I could dart in front of them, but I mean, not a good look. Or stop and let them go first. But by that time... I was there with them. You know, I was like in their group. I was, I'd, I had invaded their personal space. And we've got social distancing going on and everything like that. So that wasn't a plan either. So I thought, I'll tell you what, I'll go for plan C. And from the moment of inception to execution of plan C was less than a nanosecond. Plan C was hurdle the gate. The gate was about chest high, but it had a metal bar running along the top. And I thought, if I plant my hands firmly and then lock my arms down, I should be able to hurdle, just flick both feet over this, I don't know, what, five-foot gate? And I think in normal fitness times, that wouldn't be a problem. These aren't normal fitness times. I haven't been to the gym. Nobody's been to the gym pretty much in the last year. I haven't done any CrossFit for the better part of 15 months. Um, and so I planted my hands on the gate and hurdled over, caught both feet, both feet, not just one feet, both feet on the bar. Uh, and my momentum propelled me forward, at least the top half of me. My feet stayed the other side of the gate. It catapulted me upside down and I landed on my stomach. And I'm wearing one of these stupid bum bag things carrying the phone around. Uh, on my front, and it just lands straight on the pebbles. Uh, and the two people, the couple are just looking at me, and I just look at them, and the only thing I can think to say is, nearly, and then I get up and run. And I have completely ignored the fact that I've got scratches and tears all up my arm from where I hit the stones. Um, my shin's scratched up. More importantly, I landed on I landed on my mobile phone. I don't even dare look at it. But it, it's still working because my earphones, my AirPods are working, but I don't want to know what the phone looks like. So I run home and then carefully take the phone out of the bag. And what had happened is that it had landed 
back down, back on the stones, not screen on the stones, um, which means that it did have two cracks in it, but at least they were at the back, not on the screen. I was like, okay, well, so at least the cracks are just on the back, not on the screen. So I don't, I, it, the phone works and it's fine. I got in the car, I went to pick up my son from nursery, got out of the car, and I hadn't noticed that my phone was in my pocket just half out. Uh, and as I got out of the car and walked a little bit, it just fell out of my pocket. And it landed face down on the stones of nursery. And then a car ran over it at high speed. A car reversed straight out of the car parking space and ran over the phone, implanting it and pushing the stones in the screen into the stones. And that's it, completely dead phone. And from all of that care and attention, that's yet another £1,200 computer that I've destroyed in a period of months because I'm completely and utterly careless. So at least we had the WGC match play. Hey, oh, that was fun, wasn't it? Um, I hope you were on Billy Horshaw. There weren't that many uh, golfers who were... Plus EV in this tournament. It's a strange tournament. There are 64 golfers that start in the group stage. Okay. Um, if I bring up the odds here, you have the front of the field. I mean, no one's a massive favorite in this because this is match play and uh, you, you're in um, 16 groups of four and you have to win your group to progress. So three will go home and one will go through. And then you've got to win, you know, if you assume everyone's even money from the quarterfinals, a quarterfinal. Uh, semi-final final to win after that it's a one more as well before the quarterfinal there will be yeah quarterfinals last eight but 16 go through so you got a round of 16 first so like 2, 4, 8, 16 plus winning your group that's why the guys at the top of the field John Rahm Dustin Johnson Bryson DeChambeau were all 17 17, 17.5 Justin Thomas 18 Rory McIlroy 24 Colin Morikawa 28 um, you had to go all... Ian Poulter, and it seems obvious now, all the way down at 180, um, which just seems nuts, considering he's a match play specialist. That, that missed a trick there, and it's something to look out for um, in the ne- in next year. I'm really prepared for this tournament next year. I wasn't really this year. But um, Ian Poulter won his group against Rory McIlroy, Cameron Smith, um, and Lando Griffin. Um, so... A few, well, you can, the, the paid places in this is weird because no one's going to play two, but you're kind of tied, uh, the, the back, the top four are tied and the top eight are tied and you, there's no finishing fifth, sixth, seventh. You either make it to the quarterfinals or you don't and everyone that makes it to the quarterfinals is in the last eight. So you're either playing eight places and some bookmakers were and that quite a lot of value there. So the, obviously they're cutting there outright odds because of that or you're paying four places making it to the semi-finals um and if you look at who made it to the semi-finals i mean everyone in this tournament was ranked and there are 64 players um so i'm not going to say the names i'm just going to say the rank number of the 16 that made it through the groups rank numbers 49 52 55, 54, 60, 30, 3, 62, 53, 32, 21, 64, 48, 39, 41, and 31. Can you believe that? What did we just hear there? We heard that only 
three players from the top 32 actually made it through. Unbelievable. So you're ranking them from 1 to 64, and 29 players in the bottom half of the field made it through, and only three from the top half. And included in the top that three from the top half was number 32, Billy Horschel, number 30, Scotty Scheffler, and number three, John Rahm. Actually, there was one more. There was Tommy Fleetwood, number 20, uh, 21. Um, so a handful of golfers make it through. And ev- apart from that, it was outsiders. Poulter was ranked 60 in this event. I wonder if they take into account in the rankings who you're paired up with in the group stage because he had McElroy in the group stage. But who went out in the group stage? Everybody. Dustin Johnson went out because Robert McIntyre won the group. Justin Thomas went out because Matt Kuchar won the group. Uh, Colin Morikawa finished last in his group. Da- Bryson DeChambeau finished third. Xander Schaufele went out. Patrick Reed, Tyrell Hatton, all of these guys. Webb Simpson, Patrick Cantley, Rory McIlroy, Tony Finau, Victor Hovland, who had so much form, Victor Hovland, all the way up to the moment I started betting on him week after week after week. And now he can't do anything. He he specifically waited until the point I was betting on him every single week. So all the seeds, other than John Rahm, went out. Only John Rahm, who was the favourite, who was the seed in the group, went through. Which is nuts. Right? And then, in the last 16, John Rahm, okay, he did make it past uh, Eric Van Ruen, but he didn't make it past the quarterfinals. So if you're betting on the favourite in this event, and you're even if you're betting eight places, you're only getting money from John Rahm, you would have lost hand over fist betting favourites in this event. Fortunately, I wasn't betting favourites in the event, which is good news for me and good news for anyone else. I was betting on Hovland. He was the lowest price, 26, 25 to 1. Disappointing again, Abraham Anser, um, who is going to win very soon. I'm telling you that now. Um, uh, Sebastian Minutes. Adam Long, who was the rank outsider, 200 to 1, nearly nearly beat Dustin Johnson, nearly went through other than a playoff from the group stage. And he was the rank outsider in the tournament. And we had Billy Horschel at 70 to 1. Uh, eight places. Uh, value all the way down to 66 to 1. Had Kevin Streelman in the quarters, beats him three and one. Tommy Fleetwood, sorry, that was in the last 16, Tommy Fleetwood in the quarters. He beats him. He's got Victor Perez in the semi-finals. He beats him three and two, and he goes on to play Sheffield in the final. Um, they, they talked a lot about the... Uh, poor quality of play in the final. It certainly wasn't fantastic golf. And there was a lot of talk about how slow it was. But these guys were knackered, right? You're playing 36 holes on the Sunday, 36 holes on the Saturday, and then you've had three rounds of golf the three days before. I would be destroyed. I would be knackered if I was playing that. Um, So I'm not surprised that they were tired. A lot of people calling for changes to the format. Leave the format alone, because I think from a betting perspective, we've got to look at this again in a lot more detail next year. Now, for context, because I did mention, I did mention on Twitter that um, I was going to struggle a fruitless search for any lyric that rhymes with Horschel. Nothing rhymes with Horschel, so we can't do anything this week. Um, uh, and someone mentioned, am I not going to reference the fact that I've had a full bust on the Corrales and been losing hand over fist since January? 
I mean, <laughs> hand over fists a little bit strong. Look, we started with a thousand pound balance um, a couple of years ago, and we've built it up to six thousand. And I know there's losing runs in golf, but whatever. We'll come. We'll come to. We'll come to people moaning about it in a minute. Um, but yeah, no, okay, fair enough. Um, I put up eight guys for the Corrales and didn't get a single. Um, didn't get a single place. Um, actually, Joel Darman made my shortlist. I make a shortlist, but then I take players out and I'm, I'm left with my final list. And Joel Darman was in the shortlist. And I know some people were on him. I know plenty of people were on him. I wasn't, and I didn't have him in any shortlist. So um, um, he was value. No, and the Kenya, Savannah, classic, just a single place. Louis Diego finished eighth of three of the people. So that was a place dead heat, one out of three. So that was a loss in that tournament. So yeah, but of course, it's the nature when you're winning at 80 to one. You're going to have lots and lots of tournaments where you, you know, if genuinely, if I return zero profit, if I get my money back in a tournament, that's a result. It really is. And a full bust can sting, but it's okay. Generally, betting, uh, uh, the way I'm betting at 10 to 15% of the field win probability, I'm about an even shot to have a place. And a place is roughly money back. It could be a small loss or a small profit, depending on the EV of the player, because the higher the EV, the more I'm staking. Generally, a single place is roundabout small loss, break even, small win. Two places is profit. Zero places, obviously, is a, a loss, or even just one place that's, you know, like in Kenya, which is dead heat, um, is going to be a loss. And, but then the wins are just, you know, I'm returning 10 times or 8 times um, my stick, my investment that week so obviously there's going to be lots of break even and losing for the big wins it has to be like that there's no other way it can work than that way right so um and it, it's been a it's been a decent year uh start of the year and since we start well we started tracking two years ago the first tournament was the uspga in 2019 and the reason we did this is um, some people were saying that um, the golf tracker was negative EV uh, or that we weren't, they weren't making any profit out of it or, that, or even worse, somebody said nobody's making any profit out of it. Um, uh, and I was and we were and we'd been using it for a long time. And I think what some people experience is long losing runs where they don't hit that winner and therefore you just presume that it, something's wrong with the mathematics or the tool. So we started, therefore, record, making records where we would post um, some players up from the tracker before the tournament started so that we're transparent, so that people can see them. And then after the tournament, we will record the profit and loss in those. And after a while, um, these were showing a healthy profit. And uh, somebody commented that they didn't trust them. In fact, they used the word fake, which was quite insulting, really. They said the results were fake. They said a lot of the odds on the site uh, and the mathematics that we have are fake. It sticks with me to this day, the word fake, just because in order to have faked all of what we're doing, we would have had to involve quite a number of people in this conspiracy, in this fake conspiracy. In fact, to me, it seems it would be harder to set this up with everything being fake than it just would be to do it normally, like we have done, like honestly. Like we have 
grown into quite a significant team at Bucky Bashing. We've got about seven or so people in the team. All of them would have to be in on making everything fake uh, for that to be true. It just seems like it would be hard work, I guess. But, you know, we're tracking the results. Someone says they're fake. Where do you go now? You go for independent proofing. So we found the good guys over at SBC who do a fantastic job over there. And I recommend people go and have a look at them because there's plenty of edges and money to be made with the proofing that they do over at SBC. Uh, And what they do at SBC is that they've been around since 2004. If somebody's got a system, they'll track it for a long, long time in the background so that they know it's not short-term luck that's returning profit, but there's some long-term viability. Uh, And that's so important. And people that track tipsters, they don't have the patience to do that generally. They don't have the patience for sitting around for the long game. So they monitored us for a long time in the background. And then um, uh, they started monitoring uh, uh, and reporting on us um, live, if you like. And every week I continue to send them (laughs) a handful of golfers from the tracker. uh, And they put them up for everyone to see before the event. And that way we know that there is no shenanigans going on. It's happening before the event. Um, Although, unfortunately for the WGC, I did click on the I for the start time on Betfair because we were doing three emails in three different days because we had three days of starting times last week because the the match plays five days. I'd start on the Wednesday to finish on the Sunday. Um, And I'm like, okay, well, let's help people out. I'll click on Betfair and click I just to see what the event start time is. Betfair said it was 2.30. It was actually 12.30. Betfair, be, and it wasn't that I'd missed the one. They said 14.30. Betfair have been doing a lot wrong recently, and they've been down quite regularly, uh, as in, like, the site's been down. I shouldn't have trusted them, but uh, I, I, I may have cost a few people getting on there, for which I apologise. Anyway, it's really important to get this independent proofing because now you can't accuse us of being fake, of, um, of faking the results. Someone, however, did accuse me of being pathetic for selling out my bread and butter business. That's a direct quote. Um, whatever, I don't, I, I'm not entirely sure what that means. Um, because the only way we can be independently proofed is by handing someone some bets to independently proof them. If that's selling out my bread and butter business, whatever. What we learn from that point onwards is it's impossible to please everybody. Right, we either had to have had a negative EV tracker, or we have faked our results, or we've sold out the business. It's got to be one of those three. But it can't, uh, uh, there was no way of doing this without that. So whatever, people can think what they want. We've got a working system. You can choose to bet on it. If you're not making any money, you don't like it. Don't bet on it. It's personal responsibility. It's on you. It's not on me. Um, so since 2019 the uspga started with a thousand pound balance i used an aggressive staking uh plan uh aggressive in that there is a possibility of busting the one thousand pound bankroll we started with in fact the lowest sorry the, the biggest drawdown in the two years since we've been tracking this is 892 pounds if you'd started at exactly the wrong place you'd have been Within £108 uh, of busted, you'd have busted 90% of your balance. But, you know, that's the way I'm working. I like it like that. You bust a balance, you reload. You should be in a position that your bankroll is not every penny you have in the entire world. Again, 
the responsibility. Uh, you would have started with a thousand pounds. It would now be five thousand eight hundred and fifty pounds at the end of the three tournaments last week: the Kerala's, the WGC match play, and the Kenya Savannah Classic. So um, negative EV, maybe uh, fake, whatever. Selling out my bread and butter business, GFY. Um, however, one thing I wanted to sort of touch on here is. Um, uh, whether this is the kind of thing that has more than one application. Because, well, look, the coupon tracker, and to a certain element, uh, extent, the horse racing tracker, there is more to them than the dynamic, than this, sorry, than the static nature of benchmarking a price against um, top prices or exchanges or whatever. Um, because what tends to happen, especially in the coupons tracker, things get priced up to 91%. By the time they're at 95%, they've moved in a direction by 4%. By the time they're 100%, some people could argue, well, what, what is the point of betting on something that's 100%? You're not winning any money, you're not losing any money, you're wasting time. And the answer is, well... If you're just looking at the 100%, yeah, you are. But the direction of movement has brought it in 10%. There's smart money there. And maybe that one bet by itself isn't good, but let's add in another bet, compound them when we can. And that's why the coupons tracker tends to return more than the static EV. The same with the horse racing. And with the golf, what we've found and what's been pointed out to us is that when the other big tipsters, the guys that are reading the form of the field and looking at the tee times and uh, the bias in the morning and the afternoon, the relative strengths of the course and everything like that, um, when they release their tips, what tends to happen is, uh, and this, by the way, is completely by accident, not by design, but what tends to happen is all of the tips of the smart guys tend to become plus EV in our tracker. And there's a reason for that. And the reason is people are hitting the exchange and dropping their prices. Right, and when the prices drop on the exchange, but they're still static at a lot of bookmakers, that pushes the EV up on the tracker. And so all of a sudden, we have a sort of mixture in the tracker of bets that simply are good relative to the opening prices on the exchange, plus a lot of t um, golfers that have become good because they have been tipped by smart money. So the tracker, well, it's possible you could use it for more than just placing bets on golfers at the bookmakers at the exact prices stated um, on the tracker. Perhaps... You could use it for other applications. And in fact, I do. You uh, you could use it on the exchange in the assumption that you're betting on smart money and just following smart money. If you were to bet um, just on the exchange, just win only at the stakes advised uh, since the beginning of 2019, you would have um, staked in the region of £5,600 and you would have made £1,684 profit, um, which is 123% or 23% ROI. I've always stated ROI with 100% being break-even, 99% being down, 
Uh, I think I need. To, I think that's on me that I've been doing that wrong. So it's twenty three percent. You've increased your investment by twenty three percent. You've uh, made seventeen hundred pounds, and that's over about twelve hundred bets. Sample size there is quite small. It's only because it's not just twelve hundred bets because a lot of them are in the same tournament. So um, can I quickly figure out how many tournaments that is? I can if I go to this spreadsheet here. Uh, yeah, that is 136 tournaments, individual tournaments. So that's a small sample size of tournaments. Of course, we can't make the tournaments go any quicker. There are only one or two a week. So it takes time to build up a sample size. So one of three things is happening here. Uh, one, um, it's just complete luck that we're 123% ROI betting win only on the exchange without the places. Uh, two, um, we are have returned a profit um, because of a mixture of luck or, and the fact that we're betting on steamers and following smart money. Or three, we're up because we're betting on smart money. Um, so one of those applies. Um, and we've no way of knowing which one just now. But I'm certainly placing bets on the exchange. And the other one is, um, for the same reason, is DraftKings. Uh, DraftKings, big in America. We talked to Matt Wiley a lot about them last week. Um, Duncan is betting heavily on them using bets on the tracker. Again, just running with the assumption that we're not looking at the place EV there. We are looking at uh, steamers, and we're looking at people that are um, relative to the rest of the field, and that's the important thing on um, DraftKings. Relative to the rest of the field, their price looks like a good price because the bookmakers' prices are pretty much uh, the same as the cost to buy the player uh, relative to the rest of the field in DraftKings. And so if 100 to 1 is good in a bookmaker, then whatever price he is in DraftKings is, is good. And Duncan is thousands of pounds up on his tournaments in DraftKings. And I have... I don't... I need to get him on here to talk about it. I don't think I've seen him lose. Maybe he's losing and not telling me. Maybe it's all fake. <laughs> but he's doing well. DraftKings is a lot of fun as well. And they do the millionaire makers. It's very difficult to make a million pounds on a golfer uh, uh, in a UK bookmaker. It's not... <laughs> but it's... I was about to say, but it's very easy to make a million in DraftKings. Maybe that's a little bit flippant. I don't know. Um, but they do these millionaire makers quite cheap to enter, $20 or something like that. Fire 20 goes at them, only costs about $400. The variance is very low there as well. You may be thinking, well, I'm not going to put $400 down in a tournament. I mean, the structure of these tournaments is very much the same as a poker tournament. Uh, the majority of the field isn't paid, and then a small amount will be a min cash, and then you've got sliding scales upwards. Second place will be decent, and then first place will be really good. Um well, the variance of a single $400 entry into a massive tournament is quite large. But if you're firing 20 into there, you're actually flatting the variance quite a lot. I mean, even just firing darts, if 25% um, if of the field is paid, if you're just firing darts and you're, you're, uh, there's an assumption about there's an equal amount of um, smart money as completely no-hope money in the field... Uh, you know, people betting Ricky Fowler week after week after week when he when he just cannot shoot under par. Um, and a lot of people are just betting household names in the golf and they're not betting these 100 to 200 to 1 guys that are valiant. This is where the edge is coming from. Um, you'll find that if in 20 entries, on average, even with no skill and just firing darts, 
about four of them or five of them should be returning min caches or something like that. So you won't, you should be looking at maybe getting $300, $350 back from your $400 investment. And now if you're using your wits with you, perhaps one of them runs deep, uh, goes really far, uh, and hits a jackpot payout. Um, or perhaps this is all bollocks and it's fake and we're just selling our bed for a bit bread and butter business. I don't know, man, but look, I've filled up the entire first half of the Bashcast with Golf Chat this week. So now it is time for a break. Guys, you're listening to the Bashcast and it's brought to you by BookieBashing.net. But this match play doesn't flow It's slower than any pace you can think of And I'm underneath the grandstand And the light of joy I know Calm beyond belief Way down the fairway And the perverted fear of Scheffler and the profit from the each way place And Johnson got knocked out In the group stage He ain't no technological Bryson Oh no This is Billy Pushel This is Billy This is Billy For Shell Feeling low Do you think about us 
Welcome back to the Bashcast. That's How Does It Feel by London Grammar from the album California Soil, released 2020. A million and one fantastic remixes of that song, but went for the original. In the bookie, bashing news. Have you heard of Vanessa Cade? Let's rewind the clock a little bit with Vanessa Cade. Right, so uh, Vanessa Cade is an Canadian poker player. Sort of... Um, sort of okay professional. There's millions of these people, right? They're sort of turning a living. Sort of live caches are quite similar to me. Um, online caches. I mean, she just... She's just Vanessa Kay. She's just, she's just a woman making some money playing some poker. Um, she's, I don't know, at a guess, mid-30s, maybe early 30s, blonde, Canadian. So uh, in that respect, she's a marketing dream because, you know, I don't know. I think I read between about 5% and 10% of live poker players are women. Um, And there's no reason why poker shouldn't be an equality sport. There's no physical uh, attributes required for poker uh, just because one person's stronger than another person or has faster reaction times doesn't make them um, any better at playing cards but there's something about the uh, environment of the poker table and the casinos um, that I can understand puts women off mostly it's chauvinistic idiot pigs basically I've sat next to them as well I hate them as much as the women hate them to tell you the truth um so but they put off they put women off playing um they sort of see going to the casino and playing cards as a uh, thing they want to do with men um personally I'd prefer looking at the women than I would looking at the 50 60 year old grumpy chauvinistic men but there you go so um uh, Vanessa Cade's uh, uh, a unique brand, if you like. Uh, a few months ago, she got embroiled in a uh, slight Instagram battle with um, Instagram and uh, poker player 
Dan Bilzerian. So Dan Bilzerian, right? Is he, he's an Instagram legend in his own mind. Um, he was born to extremely rich parents, uh, and he again became an averagely good poker player. By which I mean he learned the ABC. Where he excelled was game selection because Dan Bilzerian, because of the amount of money that he came from, he was able to enter exceedingly expensive and rich games. Games not open to the average person, certainly not open to poker professionals. We're talking very rich businessmen. We're talking Hollywood elite kind of people. How did Dan Bilzerian get into these games? Well, um, on his Instagram... If you go and look at it, I don't know it, but I'm guessing it's something like Dan Bilzerian or at Dan Bigbeard or something like that. You see that Dan Bilzerian spends an awful amount of time in the gym. He has the kind of physique that somebody that has to worry about clocking on at 8 o'clock in the morning and leaving at work at 6 o'clock in the evening doesn't necessarily, um, isn't necessarily going to be able to attain you know, the guy obviously spends quite a long time in the gym. He ain't got no kids. He ain't got no boss to worry about. He ain't got no PDRs. He, <laughs> he doesn't have to worry about any of that stuff. The guy just has to worry about barbells and reps, okay? So he is obviously sculpted. He's got the uh, the beard, uh, the, the hairstyle and everything like that. But what he does do... And this is, you know, give the guy some credit here. He's, it's part of brand management. He, in every photograph, he's surrounded, he's the only man and he's surrounded by 20 women in bikinis, you know. Now, I'm not saying in uh, deepest Worcestershire, this isn't, you know, exactly the same as what I'm doing every single day, heaven forbid. Um, but Dan Bilzerian, over in America, hot climates in Mexico, wherever he is, He's boarding a private jet, he's in a pool, he's in a hot tub, and he's surrounded by women in um, bikinis, uh, models, and everything like that. 20, 25 women. It's like, how is Dan Bilzerian just friends with young women half his age? Is Dan Bilzerian, and like, does nobody own any clothes in the circle of friends that he has? Um, no, he pays them. Right, this is his brand. I mean, he invests some of the money that he has uh, into paying for young 17, 18, 19-year-old models in bikinis to walk around next to him uh, to make him look good on Instagram. And by looking good in Instagram, he's developed tens of hundreds of thousands of followers, become an Instagram legend. By being able to comprehend ABC poker, he can get into some of the extremely expensive games, that and his Instagram celebrity, and he's then able to clean up. You see, you don't have to be the best poker player in the world. You never do, because you're not going to. You know, there's always going to be a German or a Russian whiz kid who's going to be better than you, cleverer than you, faster than you, studying harder than you. All you have to be is the best player at your table. And if you're playing high stakes, that's going to work in your favor. So Dan Bilzerian, um, he's, a, he's an enigma. He's a strange character, but what's working for him is certainly working. And he um, became an ambassador of new poker sites, GG Poker, right? Good game poker. And uh, 
he kicked off his new role as GG Poker Ambassador back on December the 4th in 2020 in extraordinary fashion with a blazing row with our Canadian poker player friend and streamer Vanessa Cade. Um, so on Twitter, uh, it was announced by GG Poker that Dan Bilzerian was an, an ambassador, which obviously was a, you know, that's a strange decision for a site to make because of, you know, he's quite chauvinistic, obviously. I mean, there's no equality in the world of Dan Bilzerian. And perhaps if you're in the in the equal opportunity and equality world of 2021, you might be thinking about pushing forward an agenda where you would want to balance the books and getting a little bit more women. I mean, there's no reason why women at home can't be playing more online poker and it could be closer to 50-50 than it currently is. But they went the opposite way and they brought in Dan Bilzerian, perhaps thinking, you know, He's got a lot of Instagram. He's got a lot of followers who follow him on social media. And some of that money will see him being signed to GG Poker. And they'll come along and they'll, um, and they'll you know, provide some dead fish money in the platform, which is necessary for the ecosystem to survive. Uh, Gowen D'Souza uh, sort of comedically asked, are the girls coming too? You know, the girls that he pays to follow him on the Instagram um, on the Instagram account, to which Gigi Boker said yes. And this infuriated a lot of people. Professional poker player Melissa Burr sort of sarcastically said they really do care about women over there because, you know, this is a backward step from Gigi Boker. Uh, and Vanessa Cade replied to Melissa. She said, yeah, I saw. I don't know why this has disappointed me so much, I think because the site has clearly been all about trying to be the best version of itself. I think in my mind it was the future of poker in a lot of ways. And this is just a huge step backwards. And I sort of agree. I mean, in, in real, reality, I can see what GG Poker is doing. They, they're sort of trying to attract a, a much younger crowd. They're saying, you know, can we get the 18-year-olds, the 19-year-olds, the fish money that just, like, follow Dan Bilzerian because um, he's just got lots of pictures of women in bikinis and they can't, can we get them to join? Um, it might not have been a decision I would have made, but uh, it's a decision that I can understand the logic behind. But obviously, you know, Melissa Burr wasn't too happy about it, Vanessa Cade wasn't too happy about it, and she obviously signed that off with, this is just a huge step backwards. And amazingly, after Vanessa said this, uh, Dan Bilzerian replied, Quiet ho, nobody knows who you are. I mean, okay. <laughs> Quiet ho, Nobody knows who you are. So that was in response to Cade calling out Bilzerian um, uh, for his well-documented previous behavior as a misogynist. So he's called out as a misogynist, and his reply is, Quiet ho, nobody knows who you are. Which is... Which is... I don't know. <laughs> it's just so... It's definitely inflammatory, that's for sure. Let's just say that. Vanessa Cade followed up, so sponsoring a sleazy sexist tool with toxic, 
toxic followers as poker's biggest ambassador lends validity to the idea that he's an accurate representation of our sport not unlike supporting a president with similar traits because he would benefit our bottom line not worth the price um kate there kate then changed her twitter profile to that of a hoe uh, ridiculing Bilzerian's inability to correctly spell the two-letter H-O, by the way, because it was H-O-E. Um, uh, uh, GG Poker's decision to bring Bilzerian on board as brand ambassador uh, has already been met with derision with Bilzerian's alleged poker skills, apparently a regular point of discussion in the community because they can't get over the fact that... Um, you know, he's not playing sort of optimal game theory, but I've never, you know, this is part of the genius um, um, of people that win at poker. You sit down as the best player on the table, not as the best player in the world. So that was back in um, December. And that's where it was left. Uh, Dan Bilzerian sort of stayed on um, as a ambassador for GG Poker. Fast forward now. Oh, uh, one one thing as well. It was it was interesting. Um, Vanessa Cade uh, complained to GG Poker because she was actually an affiliate for GG Poker, um, and he made these comments a day after International Women's Day, which is a day that celebrates um, women. Um, when is International Men's Day? Look it up. There is one. <laughs> um. So she complained, uh, and they replied, hey, hey, Vanessa, I'm sure you were expecting this message to come. At some point, I need to close your affiliate account. Affiliates are partners, and you clearly terminated that partnership, so I'm simply finalizing it by closing the account. It's a shame that you can't see all the things we're trying to accomplish and the amazing people behind the scenes who are working tirelessly to make GG Poker amazing. To call us out as misogynistic, misogynistic is completely accurate and offensive to everyone that works here especially the women and uh, by the way you can be misogynistic and a woman though in fact many of the worst misogynists um are women uh, i can speak from first-hand experience to the support gg experience to the uh the to the experience support Gigi has shown me like so many mothers over the last year juggling family and work um it has been extremely difficult sometimes i could only work half days basically they're just saying you know women work there uh, that that doesn't change the fact that dan bilzerian uh, is sort of um outwardly very sexist uh, they sort of finished it i'm sorry you've chosen to take a stand against us instead of riding the, this awesome wave with us i really enjoyed working with you and hope we can look to the partnership again um at a point in the future regards rachel from gg poker so there you go um Fast forward from then until March the... What was last Sunday? Uh, today's uh, Tuesday the 30th... Uh, was it the 28th, right? And it was PokerStars Anniversary Sunday Million event. So one of the... Um, one of the premier online poker tournaments every week is the Sunday Million at PokerStars. Before I had kids, I tried to play it as much as possible. Never ran super deep in it. I think maybe $1,000 or something is my best finish. Um, um, the, it's a $215 
entry. Now, on the weekend, because it was an anniversary edition, um, there was an enormous amount of people playing in this event. And when there are an enormous amount of people, it goes sort of two days, these things. There were 67,000 online entries um, when rebuys were factored into the equation. And I think that's roughly about 45,000 individual players who cough up the $215 to play. So you cough up $215, and first place takes home $1.5 million, and then it's a sliding home scale down to a min cash, which is probably something like 300 bucks for top 10,000. I'm sort of making those numbers up, but that's what it usually is, right? Um, uh, and guess who won the anniversary Sunday million for $1.5 million and also had 100% of her own buy-in. That's unbelievable, right? First place out of uh, 45,000 people and 60,000, um, 67,000 entries. Um, she... It was no easy journey, right? She battled her way to the final table only to sit seventh in chips um, in the final nine. Um, but two players got quickly got knocked out and she found herself in the last seven, seemingly with little chance of anything more than a minor award. Minor award still would have been a few hundred thousand, but she quickly began to surge, got some key double-ups and some savvy play, catching the bluffs of others, spurring her pro progress up the leaderboard. Um... And this is just uh, quite an extraordinary story, just because, well, simply because of that spate that she got into with Dan Bilzerian and the single comment he made, um, quiet ho, H-O-E, nobody knows who you are. And after outlasting and winning the Sunday Million, um, everybody knows who she is. Uh, so... Congratulations to you, uh, Vanessa Cade, uh, and well done also for having 100% of yourself in that tournament. Um, it's quite fun. I saw her tweet the following day. She said she was on the phone to HSBC talking to them about getting the money transferred over from um, PokerStars, um, and the representative on the phone from HSBC uh, told her that um, there was no chance anybody was sending her $1.5 million. And if she has been told that, it is very likely to be a scam and not to get her hopes up, which sums up modern banking um, entirely. Um, but uh, what does she care? She's got um, enough money now, really, to set herself up for whatever she wants to do for the rest of her life. Congratulations to you. Vanessa Kay. Did the earth move for you, Nancy? Did the earth move for you, Nancy? Did the earth move for you, Nancy? Did the earth move for you, Nancy?